0: Welcome to the Old Time Radio Hour, on Sid Valley Radio.
1: This is Sid Valley Radio.
0: This week on the Old Time Radio Hour, we'll be listening to a half hour comedy, followed by a 30 minute western. So, just sit back and relax, as we revisit the truly golden age of radio
2: this is the danny k show with eve arden lionel stander yours truly ken niles and the outstanding music of america's top band harry james and his music Makers. 33 fine talents, blended into one great comedian, Danny Kay. Come on, Danny.
3: Danny
4: Kay, will you hurry up?
0: Oh, just a minute, Evie.
4: It's always just a minute with you. Come on. Oh,
0: now, wait. I must pause to greet an old friend. Ah, greetings, old friend. I know things are pretty tough now, old pal. And yes, once you were popular in the money, but now you're broke, desolate, deserted, alone. But don't worry, old pal. You'll make a comeback someday.
4: Danny, do you have to go through that act every time you pass a cigarette machine?
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs>
0: but, Evie, they worry me. Standing around doing nothing. I, I wonder if they could put bananas in them.
4: <laughs> you worry about everything but the things you should. Now, sit down here and read your radio fan mail. It's got to be answered. Oh, boy, fan mail?
0: You mean I really got fan mail?
4: That's what I've been trying to tell you all day.
0: Gosh, how many letters did I get?
4: Think of a number. One. Bingo, now read it.
0: (laughs) Gosh, my first fan letter. I feel like a bride.
4: (laughs) Well, brush the orange blossoms out of your eyes and read it.
0: Okay. It says, uh... Big money in Belgian hares huh? Put a couple of our giant Belgians in your backyard And they'll soon be paying the rent for you Send for our free booklet, Splitting Hairs
3: <laughs>
0: Just what I thought, Evie The only people listening to me last week were rabbits
5: Well, it's a start
4: Oh, hello, Lionel
5: Hi, Lionel Look what I got for you, Danny A whole bushel basket full of letters Ain't it wonderful? For me, Lionel?
0: No kidding? Yeah.
5: This is definite evidence and testimony that the American public have taken their collective pens in hand and inscribed their felicitations and congratulations for posterity. Sick Transit Gloria De Haven.
3: <laughs>
4: Ooh, all this mail. Let's see what they say. Here's one from Tootsie Smith of Evansville, Indiana. Blue Ribbon Program, please send me photographs of Harry James and Ken Niles. They are my dream men. (laughs) (laughs) Danny Kaye is kind of cute, too, so have him lick the envelope. (laughs) Well, Say, Danny, here's one I think you better read yourself.
0: Okay, let's see it. Says, um, uh, dear Danny Kay, heard your show last Saturday night, and I laughed and laughed and laughed. Gee, that's swell. I laugh all the time. <laughs> I guess I'll never get out of this place.
3: Hey! Well, hey.
0: Harry J. Come on in, Harry. Oh, hello, Harry. Harry. Everybody. Pull up a trumpet and sit down, Harry. I was just looking over my fan mail from the first show. Say, did you get any letters, Harry?
6: Yeah, yeah, I got one, but I feel kind of silly reading it.
4: Oh, go on, read it, Harry.
6: Well, okay. Dear Maestro, besides being a fine musician, you are a great personality. You have the charm of a Boyer and the appeal of a Van Johnson. Sincerely, B.G. <laughs> B.G.? B.G. Could that possibly be Betty
5: Grable? Well, it ain't Benny Goodman, brother.
4: (laughs) Say, Harry, here's a legitimate fan letter for you. It asks for you, the boys, and Kitty Callan to do the new Columbia-recorded arrangement of I'm Beginning to See the Light.
6: Love.
0: Mighty nice.
3: <laughs>
0: Who is Danny Kay? Who is Danny Kay?
2: Who is Danny Kay? Ladies and gentlemen, anticipating this dilemma and by way of enlightenment, we proudly present the life of Danny Kay. Or From the Cradle to Sam Goldwyn. Or a K Grows in Brooklyn. This soggy, sagging saga all begins on a cold, stormy January night many years ago when, riding through the blizzard high above the rooftops of Brooklyn, two storks are flying on their nightly round. What are these two storks saying? Listen. Hiya, stork. Hiya, stork. What are you carrying? Babies. What else? (laughs) Ah, babies, babies. Always babies. Yeah. I wonder where they come from. I don't know, but I know where mine are going to I'm on my way to California with a set of twins For one of my best customers, a guy named Crosby Who you got? Oh, I got a little blonde skinny drip named Danny K.
5: You know, I'm getting sick of being a stork Me too I wish I was a penguin Then I could go out in a tuxedo once in a while Yeah Well, good luck on your trip to California, pal Here's where I have to land Stark to Brooklyn Hospital, Stark to Brooklyn Hospital. Coming in for a landing.
4: Hospital to Stork, Hospital to Stork, what have you got?
5: Stark to Hospital,
4: I got a kid named Danny Kay. Hospital to Stork, is this trip necessary?
2: <laughs> and now, far below in the hospital, we go to a corridor outside the maternity ward where many anxious fathers are pacing up and down.
6: Father! Oh! One, two. At ease, you nervous Rex. Mr. Thomas K, step forward.
4: Oh, if my wife only knew what I've gone through. <laughs> What's up, Doc?
6: Well, I am happy to tell you that you are the father of an eight pound boy.
4: Wonderful my boy. Eight pounds. <laughs> How much do I owe you, Doc? Uh,
6: that'll be $25 and 17 red points.
2: And so, a K was born in Brooklyn, and it wasn't long before his proud father went into the nursery and found his high chair in a shambles, his blocks in disarray, and his nurse on the chandelier.
4: Well, well, our boy must be growing up. Guess he ought to be bright enough to talk by now. Come on, Danny boy. Say da 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 daddy. Come
3: on. Say da da. (laughs)
0: Have a
3: <laughs>
2: and so the first famous words of Danny Kaye, get my nurse off the chandelier, were heard around the world. Not many years pass before our favorite problem child is rushing off to school.
4: Quiet, children. Quiet. That's better Well, good morning, children Good, good morning, morning, teacher <gasps> Who made that noise? Lionel Sander, did you do that?
5: Teacher, I cannot tell a lie It was Harry James Squealer, squealer, squealer,
4: squealer. <laughs> Harry James Harry James, for blowing that horn You will stay after school for two hours
6: Okay, but it'll cost you time and a half I got a union <laughs>
3: Well, well,
4: Why are you always so late to class, Danny?
0: You start too early.
4: Now, come, come. That's no excuse. What made you late this morning? Well...
0: Before I go to school,
4: I have to wheel out my baby brother, Bertie,
0: in his baby buggy. This morning, I was wheeling Bertie in his baby buggy when the bumper of the baby buggy behind bumped into Bertie's baby's buggy's bumper. Well, when the rubber bumpers bumped the baby into the buggy behind, tore the rubber off Bertie's baby buggy's bumper, and without the rubber, the bumper's bump was even bumpier. So I had to unbump the buggies and put the rubber back on Bertie's baby buggy's bumper, and that's
3: why.
4: (laughs) That is enough. All right, Danny Kaye, take your seat behind Lionel. Lionel Sander... Why are you wearing your hair in a point?
5: I just got... I just got my head caught in a pencil sharpener.
4: Really? Well, we will now have geometry. Harry James, what is the Pythagorean proposition?
6: Let's neck, babe.
4: Wrong. Danny Kay, what is the Pythagorean proposition?
2: I'm with Harry. (laughs) Lionel?
4: Are you with Harry and Danny?
5: Nah, I hate crowds
4: <laughs> Well, perhaps I'm being too optimistic Does anybody here know the alphabet? Oh, I know I that. do No, I, I do. do I know
3: what, what right it I know Shut right. right. up!
4: <laughs> Danny and Harry, you may both do it Now stand up in front of the class Not on your heads <laughs> All right, boys Thank you
3: A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J,
0: K, L, M, N, O, play it good,
3: L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, A,
0: B, C, D, E, F, G, H-I-J-K-L-M-N-O-P L-M-N-O-P-Q-R-S-T-U-V-W-X-Y-Z
4: Harry James Yes, teacher Danny K, Yes, teacher You better learn the alphabet Learn it right Or I'll keep you in the classroom
2: All night A-B-C
0: Got the teacher jumping A-B-C Got the teacher rocking A-B-C Got the teacher jiving
3: A-B-C-D
0: Teacher is a square Well, oh, the teacher hits my knuckles down. Everybody now, shoot the inky to me, stinky.
2: So much for Danny in the fourth grade. Time passed, but he didn't. So now we come to another milestone in the life of Danny Kaye. We find him standing in the shade of the old Brooklyn Bridge, awaiting his first date.
6: Yoo-hoo! Danny!
2: Yoo-hoo!
6: Hortense! (laughs) Well, here I am, Tuesday night, 8.15.
3: Yeah,
0: Tuesday night... 8.15.
6: 8.15. Have you been waiting long?
0: No. No, just since Sunday.
3: <laughs>
0: Look what I got for you, Hordy.
6: Oh, that's beautiful, Danny. What is it?
0: A real umpire skull from
7: the Brooklyn ballpark.
6: <laughs> oh, it's lovely, Danny. I'll wear it next to my heart. Ah, oh, Danny.
3: Yes
6: Don't you want to hold my hand?
0: Is anybody looking? Uh Uh-uh All right, take off your glove (sighs) Uh, Gee, Horty This is living
6: (laughs) Uh, Danny Yes Don't you want to kiss me? Kiss you?
0: Gosh
6: oh, Well, if you're bashful, then I'll kiss
0: you Oh, you better not, Horty I... uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, darn it, Horty Now you've done it Oh, what? You blew a hole in my bubble gum <laughs>
6: Isn't this romantic? Uh Just the two of us alone, under the Brooklyn Bridge. Uh, pardon me, kids. My name is Steve Brody. You got a towel?
2: (laughs) Despite this historic interruption to his first romance, Danny Kay later found his real love was show business. And after many heartbreaks, struggles, and reverses, he made his first appearance before the public.
0: All right, folks, now step right up. Now, for the benefit of you's gents who haven't seen this demonstration before, step up a little closer. Get out of here, boys. You bother me. (laughs) Yes, sir. Why, if any of you's gents got a wife, mother, or sister, home who has trouble getting the tops off bottles, why, step right up and buy the little lady a Jim Dandy bottle opener. Yes, sir. The one I use is the one I sell. Five cents, a nickel, a half a dime will neither make or break or set you up in business. Yes, sir. Now, for the demonstration, folks, I have here in my right hand the Jim Dandy bottle opener. With my left hand, I pick at random a bottle of beer.
2: Jim Dandy bottle openers faded into oblivion, but Danny Kaye kept forging ahead until he finally landed on Broadway, the theater. It is the opening night of a famous Broadway play. Act One has received a tremendous ovation. Act Two has caused a roar of cataclysmic approval. And now in act three, Danny Kaye makes his bid for lasting theatrical fame in the following tense and gripping scene.
4: This is the end, Roland. The end. We're through, do you understand? Definitely through. Oh, but Martha. Martha, you can't. You simply can't do this. No, Martha, you can't. You simply can't.
6: (laughs) Oh, Roland, we've been all through this before. But, Martha, give me another chance. No. Just, please, just one more chance. No.
0: Oh, yes, Martha, do give him one more
4: chance. (laughs) Young man. Who, me? Yes, you, sitting there in the front row. Will you keep out of
2: this? (laughs) From that point on, Danny Kaye's career in show business
0: was mediocre. Meteoric, Ken. Never makes a mistake when he reads a commercial.
2: (laughs) Uh, Meteoric. Yes. As a result of his Broadway success, a nearsighted talent scout persuaded Danny to come to Hollywood.
3: <laughs>
2: no sooner did he get off the bus than he found himself in the middle of the Sam Goldwyn production, Up in Arms, where Danny scored his greatest success. He now brings you part of the score. All right, your arm, Danny. Thank you, Ken. And for those of you who didn't see the picture, this is the
0: scene in the lobby of the movie theater where I was explaining to Danny Shore that all musical pictures are alike. Suppose you do get into the theater, and suppose you do get a seat, and suppose the woman in front does take her hat off, and you do get a look at the screen. What do you see?
3: <laughs>
2: Manic Depressive Pictures present Ralph! <laughs> <laughs> Ralph! Hello, Fresno!
0: Produce by are you manic and directed by depressive now you know the name of the picture and you'd like to see it but no Screenplay by Gluck From a stage play by Motts From a story by Blip From a chapter by Ronk From a sentence by Dokes, From a comma by Stokes From an idea by Grokes Based on a Joe Miller's jokes <laughs> Now you know the name of the picture And who wrote it And you'd still like to see it But now nah. Hot Direction, Finker, Pup, is Minerva for Photography, Alonzo, Tech, Recorded, sound Needle, Becker, Upholstery by Zachary, Nicknackery by Thackeray, Trip's by Dickery, and Dickery by Doc. Now, finally, at last, comes the picture. And what do we see? The same old beautiful chorus girls. The opening scene is a ranch in Fresno, California. So, what are they singing? When it's cherry blossom time in Orange, New Jersey, I will make a peach of a pear. I know we can't alone, so honey, do be mine. And if... Up from the gulch rides a hunk of man. He is our hero, Cowboy Dan, a galloping, yodeling, buckaroo. His horse, of course, is a baritone, too.
2: <laughs> I've got a <laughs> Wagon wheel inside of me
0: (laughs) (laughs) The girls are delighted to hear this But where is our heroine? As the bell rings for lunch We find a heroine in the corral Eating a heart out she is Mary Suwann, tap dancing daughter of an American juggling actor left her on the doorstep of an old English castle where she was found by Sir Basil Metabolism, who said, I Jove, a girl baby! I shall raise her as my own daughter! Which she did, but she wants to tap dance. A cowboy Dan who she met on this trip and who was loved at first sight wants to marry her so she can tap dance, but she knows Sir Basil will never permit this. Never,
3: never, never! <laughs> never.
2: That's why she is eating her heart out.
0: But through her tears, she is singing a happy little song. Because she is also a coloratura soprano. She is beside herself. Her favorite position.
3: Must let me marry cowboy
0: Dan. He owns the biggest ranch in Texas. Far none.
2: Far none? Why well, that's the password of the FBI. It can't be.
0: No, no. Yes, yes, no, no, yes, yes, no, no, yes, yes, no, yes,
1: no, no, yes, yes, it can't
0: be. But it was. <laughs> He rushes to Mary Sue Ann. Mary Sue Ann, you must help me. Can you tap out a message in code? This is a big chance. Now she can tap dance, which she does. But what has she done? She has betrayed her own father. But he isn't her father. He is Heinrich by schlupen, by gold is flum, and the gold flum, home to the gold flurries, and girl, heidened the, heidened the, the, Heinrich the dangerous German spy. Stick up your hands, you dirty rat, and go destroyed, and I that, so I the FBI finally captured the German spy, Dan and Mary are about to blend, you think the picture's about to end, but now, <laughs> who ever heard of a musical picture without Carmelita Pepita, the Bolivian bombshell, I wish you could come with me to my little village in Bolivia, Where every night, all the little people, all they want to sing is. When
1: it's cherry blossom time in Orange,
0: New Jersey,
3: we'll make a pizza.
0: Thank you. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. I do hope you all enjoy the entirely fictitious facts of my life. And now, if I may, I'd like to remind you of how you can really give a lift to the men and women of the armed forces. You know, letters from home are important to a soldier as his food or his rifle. They hold his heart to his home, link him with you no matter where he is. So tonight, right now, write to our men and women overseas and use V-mail. It's perfect for short, frequent letters. And it's patriotic, too, because V-mail conserves critical cargo space. So get a big supply of V-mail forms and use them regularly so that every time they hear the mail call, they will hear from you.
2: Remember that, will you? Well, that's mighty good advice, Danny, and I'm sure we're all going to take it. Well, I guess it's time to go now, but remember, folks, tune in again next Saturday for another great show with Harry James and his music makers, Eve Arden, Lionel Stander, and Danny Kaye. Good night. <laughs> was directed by Dick Mack...
0: You're listening to the old time radio hour on Sid Valley Radio.
7: Across the rugged Indian Territory rides a tall young man on a mission of mercy, his medical bag strapped on one hip, his six shooter on the other. This is Dr. Six Gun. The National Broadcasting Company brings you transcribed another episode in the exciting adventure series, Dr. Six-Gun. Gray Matson, M.D., was the gun-toting frontier doctor who roamed the length and breadth of the old Indian territory. Friend and physician to white man and Indian alike, the symbol of justice and mercy in the lawless West of the 1870s. This legendary figure was known to all as Dr. Sixgun.
1: Here in the territory, we occasionally hear tales of the great men back in the East, the railroad barons, the great meat packers of Chicago and St. Louis, the wizards of high finance who hunt their prey on the streets of Boston and Philadelphia and New York. We hear of the private railway cars with crystal chandeliers and the great estates with stained glass windows and, and pipe organs in the living rooms. We hear of these tales. And we are impressed by such enterprise and genius. Of course, we too have our wizards of commerce. I myself am one. And who am I? Pablo the Gypsy Peddler. And this is my friend Midnight. Midnight. He is only a bird, but he too is a merchant prince. 100% markup. He boasts, but. Don't you believe it? He never makes better than 60%. <laughs> but perhaps the greatest example of the modern captain of industry that we have ever seen here in the territory was Jared P. Kale. I uh, first met him one day when I was sitting in the Bull Run Saloon. And in through the swinging doors came my good friend Doc Sixgon. It had been raining for a week, and Doc poured the water out of his hat and sat down at my table. Whew. You need webbed feet to get across from the livery stable. Well, Doc, is it still raining? <sighs> Haven't you been outside? In weather like this, Doc, a sane man stays under a dry roof. Near a warm stove and a full bottle. Well, unfortunately, <laughs> they don't postpone little things like childbirth for the weather. Oh, anyone I know? Marley Younger, out of Cottonwood Flat. Oh, I, I thought the bridge was out across the river up that way. It is. I had to swim my horse across. But you must have gotten soaked. I did. I dried out a little bit at the livery stable, though. No use changing. I've got to go back out in about an hour. The hand out at the Barolet with some kind of fever. I promised I'd look in on him. Uh, how is the river out at the uh, Cottonwood Flats? Well, I'd say it was lucky Molly made up her mind to deliver when she did. <laughs> Won't even be able to swim it for tonight. It's a funny thing, Doc. Last summer, the ranchers lost half their stock in drought, and now they may lose the other half by flood. That's pretty bad all over. Rio Verde's over the banks, Dead Man's Ooh. Canyon's the lake. Evening, Doc. <laughs> you look a little damp. I am. Can I get you something? The usual, i say. Okay. Uh... Ain't no coffee left in the pot, Doc. I'll have to make up some fresh. Be about ten minutes. Say, uh, you hear about the stage yesterday? No. They had to float her across the river to get into town. Looked like a flatboat going down to New Orleans in old days. (laughs) Like to broke loose and floated downstream with two gals sitting on the top screaming, and Charlie Peters throwing parcels out like it was (laughs) a sinking ship in the storm. They get through all right? (laughs) Yeah, sure, sure. Charlie says he don't know whether the coach will get through tonight, though. They'll have to go around south by the Platte and see if they can get across old Baldy Creek. Well, sounds like we're surrounded. <laughs> I reckon we are, in a way. I suppose it'll stop raining, though. Doesn't take old Baldy long to dry up, even after a flood. Stage is in. Oh, oh, hey, hey, what do you know? Oh, well, nice. they made it. Uh, O'Shea, you uh, set me up a double of that poison of yours. I couldn't be no wetter if I was a brook trout hid under a rock. How'd you make it, Charlie? Well, I'll tell you, O'Shea. I drove around this town like Joshua, around the walls of Jericho. <laughs> Went clear up around Rio Verde and then back around Old Baldy. Finally swimmer across a ford. How's the river? Well, I tell you, I felt like a Mississippi steamboat captain. If I had to make this trip anymore, I'm, I'm going to mount a paddle wheel on the hind end of my coach and trade in my reins for a rudder. I, I quit O O'Shea and poor. <laughs> you know, I'd like to see that, Charlie the Overland stage with Smokestack and Grand Salome, <laughs> complete with ferro game and brass oh, cut.
2: Well, <laughs> <Early>, it <dude. laughs> ain't
1: so doggone funny with that little shirt-tailed creek roaring like is the Colorado River in flood time. I'll tell you one thing. I ain't taking that coach back tomorrow morning. I'll stay right here while I get my wheels on the ground again. Hey, say, Charlie, did you get my box through all right? Got medical supplies I'll be needing. Which oh, it's, it's all right, Doc. I had it tied to the top right alongside the mail pouch. Lucky I tied it down huh I lost a crate of chickens and three bolts of calico. I darn near lost a passenger. A would pa- oh, be fool enough to ride over from Chisholm City in weather like this. And a little scrunchy easterner. I <laughs> like to blow away when, when we come over the pass. When we got into old Baldy, we must have hit a rock, because the first thing I know, the, the guard's hollering, Man overboard! <laughs> we had to rope him and drag him behind till we hit solid mud on the other side. Then we hauled him back on board and tied him next to your medicine box. I ain't never seen a sorrier sight since my hound dog fell into the tar barrel last fall. Well, was he hurt? Maybe i better go see him. Well, you might as well ask him, Doc. That's him coming through the door now. Well, you sure it's the same fella? He ain't covered with no mud. Oh, he's dressed as pretty as a New Orleans gambler from the Mardi Gras. Same fella, all right, but... Well, he shouldn't... Sure didn't look like that when I seen him last. Beats me. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. My host, a glass. Uh... You mean me? Why, yes, I think if you are the proprietor of this establishment. Uh, Yeah, yeah, that's me. What'll it be, mister? Ooh, do I have a choice? Yeah, barrel or bottle? Uh, A bottle, I think. Ah, my good friend the charioteer, recovering from your labors, I see. where'd you get them dry clothes, mister? Last time I seen you, you looked like a happy sow in a mud hole. Well, I thought it best to freshen up a little before meeting the citizenry of this fair town. I must thank you, my man, for a delightful trip. A bit nautical in spots, but otherwise delightful. O'Shea, pour me another. Uh, Permit me to introduce myself, gentlemen. I am Jared P. Kale, late of Wall Street. What? Oh, you mean that uh, block in Chisholm City where all them dance halls and other places is? Oh, no, 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 no. I refer to the Wall Street gentlemen the original... Surely you've heard of it. You mean in New York City? Ah, a cosmopolite in the wilderness. Now, look here, you. You can't go call doc things like that. You don't even know well, him. Well, that's all right, O'Shea. Mr. Kale means it as a compliment. Ah, uh, didn't sound like no compliment uh, to me. May I have the pleasure, sir? I'm Dr. Matson. Dr. A. Divinity or veterinary medicine? Just plain MD, I'm afraid. A pleasure, sir, a pleasure. Oh, my good publican, this, I take it, is my refreshment. It's whiskey. I don't guarantee nothing. It will do. Ah, lovely weather we're having. Ah, I find the practice of agronomy benefits from the rain, don't you? Uh, We don't have none of that out here, only crops. Crops,
3: oh,
1: yes. I have begun to get the notion, gentlemen, that I have come to the right town. You do? Precisely, gentlemen, precisely. May I ask what brings you to Frenchman Ford, Mr. K? Visions. Vision, gentlemen. Is that right? Gentlemen, I ask you, where is the future of this country? Where is the land which holds the destiny of this vast nation? Where is the manifest golden treasure to be found? Search me. You a prospect? Oh, gentlemen, I know nothing of prospecting but prospect ah that is a different story what kind of heathen talk is that do i understand that you're referring to the latin plural of prospectus? how delightful to find a classic scholar here in the wilderness i don't get what you're driving at mr cave you will doctor you and the entire nation when the time is right in the meantime gentlemen i offer you a toast to frenchman's ford the happy hunting ground uh hunt well you've come to the wrong place mister you ain't going to do nothing but hunt for fish until it's your rain stops. Precisely, gentlemen. Precisely. Shall we
6: drink to it?
1: He was a cheerful little man. And he was dressed something like a cross between a minister, a banker, and an undertaker. He had fine, silky, mutton chop whiskers, and the rest of his face was smooth as a baby's. All the rest of the evening, he sat at the table at the Bull Run and told us tales of that fabulous land far across Old Baldy Creek, which was his natural habitat. It was then that I said to Fisk, Jim, mark my words, you'll never corner the gold market without my help. But did he listen, gentlemen? Did he? Oh, not Jim Fisk. And, of course, you all know the result. Uh, Yeah, 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 of course. But that reminds me of a similar occasion when I was consulted by William Vincent Astor on the matter of real estate. Bill, I told him, 42nd Street may be out in the country today, but someday it will be valuable real estate. Doc had been called away on his case early in the evening, and when he got back, Mr. Cale had retired to his lodging And O'Shea was cleaning the bar.
2: I'll be with you in a minute, Doc.
1: I kept the coffee pot on the back of the stove. It's strong as boiled gunpowder, but it's coffee. Thanks, O'Shea. Well, that's the end of it up at the Rio Verde. There was a log jam up at the Box Canyon. Gave way. Nobody's going to get across that river anymore. Yeah, here you are, Doc. She's hot, but she'll claw your throat on the way down. (coughs) Good. Ah, say. (laughs) hey. You missed all entertainment, Doc. Somebody get shot? No, no. It was a real peaceful evening. I mean that typhoon. Typhoon? Yeah, that financial genius. Ain't that what you call him? I don't think so. A typhoon is a big wind. Yeah. Well, anyways, he can really spin a yarn. Did you know that Jim Fisk built a house with corners made out of pure gold? No, I can't say as I heard that. Well, he tried to. Mr. Kale told him he couldn't do it. Uh, I reckon the gold didn't hold nails. That sounds like an exciting evening. Yeah, yeah, it was. I didn't have no idea at all, Doc, that them bankers and such worked like that. According to this here Kale, running the bank is like drawn to an inside straight in a strange town with other fellers deck. Well, oh, that sounds like a good description. Now, of course, if you know the dealer, it's different, ain't it, Doc? Uh, I suppose so. (laughs) That's what I think. Well, good night, Doc. Uh, Wait wait a minute, O'Shea. Hmm? What are you talking about? What did this Mr. Kale tell you? Well, now, Doc, uh, you wouldn't want me to violate the confidence, would you? Well, no. No, I suppose not. Well, all I can tell you, Doc, is that uh, when this here town becomes the roaring, bustling metropolis of the new Atlantis, Just you wait and see who is going to have the biggest saloon. Or say, you've been drinking your own whiskey. No, Doc, but just wait and see. That's all. It rained again the next day and the day after. Doc was busy in town with an endless stream of sore throats and fevers from the cold and damp. But... In the Bull Run, strange things were happening. Hey, O'Shea! O'Shea! Where is that lop-eared swill serving idiot? What's the matter, Charlie? eh? Paddler, I've been standing here for five mortal minutes, waiting to turn over my good money for that bad whiskey. Eh? Now you're hiding her hair of O'Shea if I seen. Why, well, you wouldn't leave the bar unattended? reach over and dip up some of that whiskey if I wasn't afraid my hand would dissolve in the (laughs) fumes. O'Shea! Keep your shirt on. How do you like that? Why, a man in his position is a public servant. It's it's like me with the mail. Neither snow nor rain nor heat nor saddle sores nor hostile Indians is supposed to keep me from my duty. and, And concern it, it ought to be the same with him.
2: Now, what is the
1: idea, Charlie, making a racket like that? Are you still selling whiskey or are you giving up and going in a dry goods? Hang on, you'll get your drink. I got more important things to do than dish out rot gut to can tanker stage drivers. Now, wait a minute, just hold on. What's the matter? Now, listen, O'Shea, it's it's all right for me to call your whiskey poison and rot gut, but it, it ain't fitting for you to do it. What are you blithering about now? Well, if you ain't got no confidence in your stock... Well, I ain't going to buy none. I'll just take my trade somewhere else. Yeah? Just, uh, where do you figure to take it, Charlie? I got the only saloon in Frenchman's Ford, and this here town is surrounded on four sides by water. The only other drink you can get retail is a physic up to Dock 6 guns or horse liniment down to the livery stable. The only other whiskey in town is in closed barrels down to the express office, and that is on consignment to me. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, I reckon you're right. Well, in that case, I guess I'll reconsider. That's better. Now, what'll it be, barrel or bottle? We didn't discover the fiscal influence of Mr. Kale until the next day when Doc dropped in for dinner at the Bull Run. Doc? Have you ever been in on the ground floor? Often. That's where I keep my horse. Oh, now, Doc, be serious. I mean it. How'd you like to be in on the inside of the biggest financial syndicate since John Jacob Astor? Not very much. Now, Doc, that ain't the way to talk. Oh, say, just what is all this? Is that kale fellow working some skin game on you? Doc, it ain't no skin game. He's on the level. Oh, sure, sure. I mean it. Doc? (laughs) You are talking to the president of the Frenchman's Ford Land and Natural Resources Development Company. Kale's the treasurer. I figured he would be. Now, Doc, you lack confidence. I certainly do. Just what are you developing with this company, O'Shea? Well, uh, you know, like it says, natural resources. Mm -hmm. Doc, you're a good friend of mine, and I want to give you a chance before the small... Mark Wall Street men snap up all the stock. O'Shea, you simple-minded idiot. Why don't you just take your money and put it in a great big gunny sack and hand it to this sharp? Now, Doc, you ain't being fair. Mr. Kale ain't no sharper. He's a financier. I can't understand it, O'Shea. You can spot a deadbeat in the bull run the length of the bar. How can you be so confounded foolish about Kale? Doc, you you, you really think he's going to skin me? Oh, he's practically got you stuffed and mounted. I don't know. He sounds real convincing and when he gets to talk about them railroad fellers and millionaires and all. Now look, look, O'Shea, Have you given him any money yet? No, not yet. Oh, that's good. There isn't a doubt in my mind that your Mr. Jared Kale is crooked as a dog's hind leg. Ah, uh, doctor. Well, good morning. <coughs> Did I hear you mention my name? You might have. Doc here says it's a skin game. He says you're out to police me. Well, well, we meet that sort of thing all the time in our profession. Uh, don't let it worry you, Mr. O'Shea. What do you mean, don't let it worry me? Are you, ain't you? Mr. O'Shea, I know of only one way to meet an insinuation of this sort. Now, how much money have we discussed as your share of the capital investment? Uh, $2,000. Well, uh, gentlemen, do you recognize this banknote? Yes. That's a note on the Drover's Bank of Chisholm City. A uh, sound bank, gentlemen? Yes. Well. Here, sir, are $5,000 in banknotes issued by the Drovers National. More than twice Mr. O'Shea's investment. Uh, here you are, Doc. What do you mean? What are you giving them to me for? I want you to hold this money in escrow, as it were, to prove my good faith. This would more than cover any money Mr. O'Shea risks in the company. <sighs> well, now that seems fair, don't it, Doc? Well, uh, yes, yes, I suppose it does. There. Good notes, all right. Well, there you are, Doc. I trust my reputation is once more unsullied. And now, Mr. O'Shea, uh, a word with you in your private office? Why, uh, I ain't got no office, but uh, if we kind of crouch behind the bar down at the end, we can be private. Uh, uh, (laughs) Well, I, I don't think that will be necessary, but we must plan. We have great things to accomplish, you and I. Showed the banknotes around town. There was no doubt. They were genuine notes on the drover's national, not counterfeit. And O'Shea went on planning the development of the natural resources of Frenchman's Ford. It was about this time that O'Shea found he had other troubles. He showed up at Doc's place looking a little red at the back of the neck. Doc, you gotta give me something. Oh, what is it, O'Shea? You're back again? No, it's my head and my stomach. Doc, I'm so mad I'm just coming apart. I've gotta talk no, no, to somebody. Now, no, no, look, hold on, O'Shea. You're... What is it you want? Somebody to listen to your troubles or a dose of salt? I don't rightly know. Doc, it is the most aggravating, outrageous... Take Ooh. it easy, O'Shea. You know what happened? What with the town cut off by the flood, I had a pretty good business going on, and I ran plumb through the four barrels of whiskey I had in the place. So naturally, I go down to the express office to pick up a half a dozen more barrels. I just leave them down there until I'm ready for them, and Heath Tucker takes the storage out and trade. Now, relax, O'Shea. You'll have a stroke. Well, I'm likely to, I tell you. Doc, if you're called on to plug up a couple of bullet holes in Heath Tucker, you'll know who done it. Uh, Just what is it? Well, I went down there to pick up my stock, and that lily-livered sheepherder has got the nerve to tell me it ain't mine. What do you mean? He says I didn't pay for the whiskey when it first come in, and since it ain't been claimed, my option on it run out. That doesn't sound like Eve Tucker. He offered me a price on it. Doc, do you know what that no-good crowbait horse thief wants me to pay for my own whiskey? $100 a barrel. Why, I ain't never paid more than $12 since I opened a saloon. You're not going to pay it, are you? That's just the miserable part of it, Doc. I ain't got no choice. What, with the town cut off with no whiskey, I close up. Why don't you? Doc, have you got any idea what my life would be worth in this town if I cut off the only supply of whiskey at a time like this? I'd lose all the goodwill I ever had. I've just got the that miserable old coot his $100 a barrel and take a lickin'. Oh, say, maybe i better go have a talk with Eve Tucker. There's something fishy in this whole deal. I wish you'd do something, Doc. I already paid him $500. Doc, he's got me over a barrel. <laughs> It was that day that the rain finally stopped. And the day after that, Doc finally got the chance to go down and talk with Eve Tucker. Uh, when he got back to the saloon, O'Shea was in a foul mood. Doc, would you say it was justifiable homicide (laughs) if I took my forty-five and went down and shot Eve Tucker full of holes? Hold on, O'Shea. I think I'm getting to the bottom of this. Well, I tell you, I'm getting to the bottom of my cash box. Huh. And you was afraid that Mr. Kale was a crook. That reminds me, O'Shea. How much money did you give Mr. Kale? You were talking about $2,000. Now, Doc, you are on the wrong track. I didn't give him no $2,000. I didn't give him but $130 till his letter of credit could get through the flood. $130, huh? That just about comes out right. Huh? What do you mean? I just had a long talk with Eve Tucker. I pointed a few things out to him, O'Shea, such as... He's got to keep living in this town when the flood goes down. And I think he saw the light. He, um, He told me he was acting as a salesman when he sold you that whiskey. That's... What do you mean a salesman? I mean he didn't own it. Somebody came around and bought up a whole lot of whiskey from him for $130. Now, who in town here would go around buying barrel whiskey for... $130? That's right. And if... Tucker was just selling the whiskey for this fella. That's right. Tail. That no-good pusillanimous cutthroat. He bought my whiskey with my own money and sold it back to me at $100 a barrel. Now, wait a minute, O'Shea. Hold on. I'm oh. telling you, Doc, get out of my way. I'm going to find that <laughs> high-binding <laughs> horn toad and fill him full of oh. legs. Now, wait a minute, O'Shea. You won't find it. What do you mean I won't? He can't get far. Not with them rivers roaring around town. Old Baldy was down three feet this morning. Andy Michaels saw Mr. Kale ford the creek around ten o'clock.
3: You and mean he ate. got away?
1: Look out, Doc. I'm going to get my horse... O'Shea. Tonight. What? I'm afraid he was riding your horse. He... Doc, you got your satchel ready? Yes, I, I think I'm likely to faint. How much do you figure he got away with, O'Shea? Okay. Well, uh, I guess about close to $1,800, counting the horse. Well, then you've got the last laugh. You've got... Like, uh, how's that? I guess he didn't have a chance to finish out whatever his scheme was. What more could he take? My pants? Oh, no, no. I mean, he, he left this. What's that? The $5,000 in Drover's bank notes. I guess they're yours, okay. I Say, that's right. I, I, I clean forgot about that, Doc. And these is good notes. Everybody in town says so. No doubt of it. This is a genuine 5000 dollars in Drover's national bank notes. Well, well, how do you like that? The confounded little sharper outsharped himself. <laughs> <laughs> Dog Gordon, if I don't make. <laughs> Let me see. Uh the dirty. $200 uh, in the uh, deal. Well, <laughs> congratulations, O'Shea. I guess you developed at least one natural resource in Frenchman's <laughs> Ford. I guess I did. Doggone to duck, I gotta celebrate. Boys, the drinks is on the house. <laughs> Doc, you sure I can't uh, set you up for something? I'll take it out and be safe. <laughs> $3,200. I'll be doggone <laughs> in his own... Crap. Stage is right from Chisholm City. Stage is in. Charlie, Charlie, step right up. The drinks is on the house. I'm celebrating. Well, that's just fine. But make mine a double. <laughs> yes, sir. We're going to celebrate. Well.
5: <laughs>
1: Say, the, the, the darndest news. Al Evans come in driving the stage just told me. You'd never guess in a million years. Yeah? <laughs> what is it? <laughs> the drovers' bank in Chisholm City went bust. What? Yeah, it was all over a week and a half ago. There ain't a nickel left in it. Why well, it must have happened just before I drove that last stage over to Frenchman's Ford. Now the big news like that, and we didn't hear a word of it on account of the flood. He knew, Doc. He knew. He knew all the time. Well, Who knew? Who knew (laughs) what? Funniest (laughs) thing you ever saw. Folks in Chisholm City using them Drover's banknotes to stuff up holes in the windows. (laughs) They ain't worth the paper they're printed on. (laughs) Well, uh, O'Shea, uh, how about another? Uh, Still on the house? Charlie, go over to my table and get my satchel. He fainted.
7: You've been listening to Dr. Sixgun. <laughs> Doc Six Gun is played by Carl Weber and Pablo by William Griffiths. Today's script was written by Ernest Canoy. Heard in the cast were William Keane as O'Shea, Louis Van Ruten as Jared P. Kale, and Jim Bowles as Charlie. <laughs>
0: be back next Sunday, at 4 o'clock, we hope you can join us, here on Sid Valley Radio.